Hi, I'm Gary and this is episode 130 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at messaging around EVs and renewables and whether clickbait headlines are harming the uptake of zero emission vehicles. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to ask that if you find this podcast useful or interesting, could you do me a favour? Could you let someone else know about it and maybe ask them to subscribe? As I start to look for sponsorship for the next season, one question I always get asked is, what's your reach? And this is directly related to the number of subscribes I have, so every little counts. Thank you. Our main topic of discussion today is clickbait. Well, to be accurate, it's about messaging around EVs renewables and whether clickbait headlines are harming the uptake of zero emission vehicles. This all started when I shared a post about the dangers associated with hydrogen boilers being fitted in domestic homes. Apart from the fact that most commercial hydrogen is created from fossil fuels, there are inherent dangers with hydrogen equipment. The smaller hydrogen molecule will create more leaks than natural gas. Hydrogen is odourless, like gas, but unlike gas, it can't have an odour added to it to facilitate detection. And more importantly, the saturation of hydrogen in the atmosphere, which will cause an explosion, is far, far bigger than natural gas. With gas, the range is relatively small, 5% to 15%. Less than 5%, no boom. Higher than 15%, no boom. Hydrogen's flammability range is 4% to 74%. That's devastating. In a discussion which occurred around this, I was questioned on Twitter by someone who said, this just demonstrates the importance of concise and accurate communications and messaging. And when I went into more detail about this, we agreed that there is a case where clickbait headlines might not get the right message across. And this was brought to my attention recently with a tweet from friend of the podcast, Jonathan Porterfield. He wrote in a tweet, I'm happy at my Kia e-Neuro's 250 to 260 mile range. I don't want or need any more range. I'm seriously considering this to be my last EV. This tweet was in reply to a thread asking what people felt was the optimum range for an electric vehicle in the future. Uh, For the record, I agree with Jonathan, between 220 and 250 is probably about right. However, I jokingly retweeted this with a Daily Mail type headline which said, Citing range, EV advocate says he'll never buy another electric vehicle. Although this is a prime example of a clickbait headline, it's actually 100% accurate. What's missing is context. What this is also doing is it's playing into what I call the Daily Mail type narrative, where anything that can be spun as negative towards electric vehicles or climate change will be. It's all about the messaging. And that got me thinking. So I wanted to invite a fellow Twitter follower onto the show to talk about the whole topic of messaging around EVs and renewables. Gideon Richards is the CEO of CWP Limited, which is a consultancy. He works with, amongst others, businesses, local councils and associated bodies to help them understand their zero emission strategy needs and how to implement them. I caught up with him in our recent trip to Yorkshire, where he lives, And we chatted about this topic while sitting in my car using a diddy little microphone on the armrest between us. So apologies if the audio isn't the best it can be. But with that in mind, welcome to the podcast, Gideon. Thanks very much. Let's just frame the whole 
topic of discussion here. What What is the issue that you see with messaging and the way things are being portrayed for, in, in particular, the sort of example that we just talked about with the hydrogen? Let me just give you a slightly different example, and it's a renewables example. About 15 years ago, when we were talking about renewables, all the industry were going, renewables are really good for us and we've got to do more renewables and we've got to have mass deployment of it. Heat pumps are exactly the same thing. The problem we have is by telling people that it's a good thing to have isn't necessarily getting the message in to someone's psyche that it's the right thing to do. There are so many different things that people are thinking about. So if you say to me, hydrogen in my house, the first thing I might think is, oh God, I've got a bomb there. Right. Yep. Or I might think, you know, if I'm an engineer, well, what the heck's going to happen to more pipe work because it's a very small molecule. What that hasn't done is it hasn't got to the heart of saying, oh, hydrogen's a good thing, but where should we put it? And that's the problem with messaging, with wrong messaging or, or messaging that doesn't help. It's a bit like when we had the food versus fuel debate a decade or so ago now, you know, we, we started, we were talking about aviation fuels now and they're starting to talk about them being biofuels and then you get people going well hang on that's food versus flights again so it's all about how we get this message across and how that actually works i think how much of that is a function of the way you're giving the message versus the experience of someone who's receiving it. And a typical example, I have a, a follower that I know who's part of Dorset EVs and his job is as a boiler installer. So, you know, we talk about heat pumps and we talk about gas boilers, we talk about hydrogen, and he has very specific views on that, which the, a number of them I agree with, mm -hmm. some of them I don't. If I give the example of uh, hydrogen, I may look at it from a negative point of view. He may look at it and go, well, yes, there are downsides, but here's the, the upside. So it's it's not necessarily, in that case, the message. It's how that message lands versus what that individual's experience is. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the art of communication is to actually what I call internalise the message. You've just said it. You have views, I have views on, say, hydrogen. They don't necessarily have to match, but it's how I take it in which will, which will deal with what I do next, if you see what I mean. So, for instance, if we're talking about the hydrogen side of it and a hydrogen boiler, if I'm not convinced that a hydrogen boiler is the right thing for me, because I'm worried about an explosion or I'm, you know, worried about something else. You can say to me, as much as you like about the efficiency of the boiler, if I'm not receiving it right and not taking that, internalising it into a, oh, well, maybe this guy's giving me a good message, you know, and I do agree with that, it's not going to move on. And that's where the problem comes in, I think, with all of these things. And it's, it's the same with everything in life it's purely about the communication is not about what you say it's about how the person takes it in and thinks about it i think the corollary to that is when we're talking about messaging i can come in and i can say hydrogen cars are bad and we shouldn't be doing them or i can come in and say hydrogen has a number of advantages and disadvantages and here are the advantages, here are the disadvantages. The message may be the same. How it's picked up by an individual will depend on their background. But if I come in and say hydrogen's bad and you agree with me, you're going to go away with one takeaway. 
if I say hydrogen's bad and you disagree with me, you've got another takeaway. But if I come in and give you the pros and cons, is that going to affect the message that you take away from a given uh, discussion? Well, I think, it again, it comes down to how you do it. Because I'm going to, the same way as the hydrogen's good and hydrogen's bad, the pros and cons will be taken is, do I get that as being a right thing or a wrong thing? You know, so it's about, like, if you, if you were to go and say, let's talk about these hydrogen cars and let's look at a typical journey, maybe. How would you feel about taking this car on a 300-mile journey? You know it's got a range of, say, 360. So you're within spec, and if it was an EV, we could do the same sort of journey. How would you feel about it, though, if you know that there's no hydrogen filling station around, you know, between A and B on your journey without going an extra 100 miles to charge up? You know, and how would you feel if you got stuck in traffic you know, with yeah. that hydrogen car running all the time? Mm-hmm. You're now, as the person who's receiving the message, undoubtedly, because I can see it in your eyes, you are thinking through what I've said. Now, I don't know what the answer you've got in your head is, but that could be that, well... God, he says 360. What happens if it's only 290? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'm going to run out. And where, you know, he said it's 100 miles away to get some, some hydrogen. How the hell does that work for me? Or you could be thinking that, you know, oh, it's no problem then. I'm fine. It's the way you craft these this information and the way you deliver it is the way that people take, uh, take it in. You know, so... One of the things that is really bad is soundbite politics, and the and soundbites in any form invariably miss most of the point. And this is the same thing with it. And where does the line fall between a soundbite and good but incomplete information? And I'll give you a typical example. Again, on hydrogen cars, you can fill them up in three minutes, and that's one of the big selling points for hydrogen cars. Now, in reality. Yes, if you're the only one at the charger and it's got fuel in it and somebody hasn't been in and taken all the pressure out, then yes, you can fill it up in three minutes, but it might take you another couple of minutes to get the frozen connector off, etc., etc. So whilst what they're saying is accurate, it's incomplete, but you can fill up in three minutes is a good soundbite. Yeah, and and it comes down to the accuracy and the factual part of it. But I suppose this, the pro, that's one of the problems with sandbites. I mean, for all it can be factually correct, it might miss a whole load of the dynamics that go with that. And invariably, when you hear these things, it's you know you then have to go back and go, well, what if, what if, what if? I think the problem with soundbites in totality is that they don't ever give enough information to be able to make a judgment call. If you're of a mindset to just take the soundbite or to read that headline in the paper that says, my EV journey was rubbish, all you see is that. And if you read the next paragraph and it says, this journey was awful, I had to spend 10 hours doing something I'd do for three hours in a normal car, that's the bit you catch. You don't catch the bit that actually there was an issue with the pump or there was an issue with this or, you know. So, yeah, you can fill it up in three minutes, but it doesn't say any of the other bits that go with it. And so there would be an incomplete view of all of this, I think. You brought up an excellent example there, which is 
what I call the, um, the typical journalist. I borrowed an EV for a weekend and it was a disaster type of article. Yeah. And we've all read dozens of those. And invariably, when you look at the detail underneath that, there's always something along the lines of, well, I started off with about 50% charge and I wanted to do 500 miles. Or I turned up at the first charger and it didn't work. And, you know, these are common themes yeah. throughout all those kinds of, uh, of articles. Now, you and I know that if you're going to do a long journey, you start off with 100%. You make sure that the charges that you're going for are the reliable ones. You don't go for the ones that've got the bad reputation. You use things like ZapMap and PlugShare to find them. This is all the information that, that gets missed. But the problem is you can still end up with a good amount of, well, I was going to say data, but it's not data, it's not information. It's not, a good amount of copy mm -hmm. in an article which would seem like it's providing a lot of valid information. But again, it's not what they're telling you, it's what they're not telling you. And if you're coming in, you know, I, I always like to sort of preface this with, what would my mother think if she was reading this article? Because yeah. she doesn't know a lot of the, the stuff that you and I know. So she would look at that and think, well, you know, it makes sense. He did this, he did this, he did this. He's told us all the things that happened. EVs aren't going to work. But again... Whilst it looks like you've been given a complete amount of information, you haven't. But somebody who doesn't know, by definition, doesn't know. So how do we sort of bridge that gap? Oh, that's a difficult one. Like a, a local democracy reporter that I know very well always tells me you have to write as if it's a five-year-old. Uh, it's incredibly hard to do. But it's the it comes back to this, what's the message that you want to get? out and then how can you put it in the simplest way that someone will again internalize in that so you know the message that the other guy wants you to wants you to get is these things aren't good news mm -hmm. you know and keep on going with what you've got and whether that's because someone's paying for that press to be done in that way or whatever or they typically have had a bad ex a bad experience maybe it will come out in that way. What we have to do, I think, is to to overcome those is to actually give a different experience to it and give it in a way, as I said, with the hydrogen journey, you know, in a way that someone can see themselves doing it. They can feel that it's it's a touchy feely thing. This we talk about communication. Communication is is sort of eighty percent visual. You know, it's only a very very small fraction of it that is actually written or or spoken. And so the art is to get the that small amount of it that we can get across in a way that someone will take it in and go, oh well, that's not so bad after all. You know, so we could talk about that journey. You could we could talk about the the idea that. You have to do this big, long list of things that you have to do to check. Now, is that a put-off for someone? If you were to say that in an article, well, yeah, but you can do this and you can do this and you can do this and you can do this, and then you'll have a good journey. They might turn around and go, God, that's just far too much hassle. It's not worth it. It's yeah. not worth the effort. Let's just carry on as we are. Oh, and by the way, these things are blooming expensive anyway, and mm. I can't afford it properly, so... I'm better off, or someone else has said to me, well, look, you've got a car, it's got embedded energy in it, you know, why are you scrapping it? All of those are quite easy to to hear, and you can internalise that, oh, God, do I really want to get rid of this? Mm. You know, so I think the point is to get it across in a way that someone else can... Effectively, what they're doing is they're 
interpreting what you've said in a way that is a positive. And there's an art to it. And there's a guy called Stephen Denning who was in the World Bank. And this is how I got to know about it because he was talking about this internalisation of the message. And he was saying that, yeah, I was going there saying from a World Bank point of view, he was asked to bring in one massive big database of everything that everyone knew. And he'd go out to Africa and he'd say, tell us all of your information, I'm going to put it in this database. And everyone will go down the route saying, well, actually, you know, knowledge is power. I'm not going to give you that. And he had to work out how to do it. And this is where, if I'm saying to you, well, an EV journey is a great experience. It's one of those things that you learn and you grow into. You don't just drive the same way, an EV, as you do a fossil fuel car. But actually, it's a better experience because of, you know, you don't get the vibration through it. It's silent and, yeah, you know, you'll get used to these things and you get the confidence to come through it. There's a different a different vibe to what's being said. And hopefully then the feeling and the the sensation of what we're saying, if you like, is is a better way of doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about body language there. As you're saying that, I'm, I'm nodding furiously. Obviously, they can't hear me on the podcast. But you did touch on something there, which I want to come back to, which is as well as quote unquote misinformation or biasing some information that you can give in an article. There's also the the flip side to that, which is where we bring in our good friends at Big Oil, who are for the most part in the practice of greenwashing. So they're sending out an infom- a, a message which on the face of it is good. You know, we're going to decarbonize this and we're going to remove this carbon from the, uh, from the air. We're going to make sure that this is run on renewable fuels and that. And at, at the basic level, you think, that's good. You know, BP's on our side. Shell's on our side. Aramco are on our side. Exxon are on our side. But it's only when you then, again, you look at the detail underneath that, which not many people do. Yes, they've committed to doing this, but they haven't committed to when. And if they have committed to when, it's so far in the future that there are no intermediate um, timelines and, and sort of milestones to hit. So that's another aspect of the messaging, which it's subtly different from what we've been talking about before. But I think it's also equally as important. Oh, I agree totally. Michael E. Mann in, in his New World War, um, World War like, you know, the, the climate war, sorry, the, mm-hmm. the essence of this disinformation and also how you manipulate what's going out there and even to the point where you're getting people's... It's all about you doing something yourself, you know, as opposed to let's change the structural point on this, is being manipulated and is being used. And remember that the internalisation of the message we're talking about is being used by these people, and they are very skilled at it. Mm -hmm. It's how do we actually deal with with that side of it and do a counter-argument that is equally as acceptable to people and gets their buy-in? One of the things that bugs the hell out of me is when we get government documents that come out with, you know, sort of low-carbon hydrogen. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that the fossil fuel companies are desperate to carry on with doing hydrogen through their their fossil fuels, and the grid are very happy to do that because actually that means the grid still remains. And I can see some arguments that grid makes a lot of sense. You've got all the infrastructure there and all the rest of it. 
But it gets back to that point where someone's heard low carbon. Oh, well, that must be pretty good. You know, what they miss is all of the other bits that all we're doing is perpetuating, you know, and keeping those assets going for longer, giving them more money to do the fossil fuel side of it. But it's actually not going to give you what everyone else is thinking it's saying because he's not saying it's non-fossil fuel. Now, we've skirted around the topic without actually saying the word. We've talked about misinformation and big oil and things like that. But what we're actually talking about at the base level is propaganda. Some of it, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we know historically from world wars, from, I mean, Ukraine at the moment and mm -hmm. the message that Russians going out, if you control the propaganda, you've you can control a lot of what you want to do. Big oil are very good at doing this. Yeah. Big tobacco were very good at doing this. The sugar companies are very good at doing this. How do we get electric vehicles and renewables good at doing this? We have to learn from them is the first part. We need to listen to what they're saying and what they're writing and understand what that actually means and learn to do the, the counter to it. So as bloggers, as tweeters, as people who stand up on stages and do presentations. We have to learn about communication in a different way. We have to learn that just saying what we're saying isn't going to work anymore. We need to leave people with the fuzzy good feeling, not by lying or by greenwashing ourselves, but actually with the facts and with the evidence and with the experiences of people have, that have those kinds of things, like driving across the Mongolia de desert, you know, in an EV, we need to get those out and we need those communicators to be very good at communicating. And we all need to look at how we communicate and deal with it. I, as I said, I, when I first started off, it was very frustrating. I'd just been reading the Stephen Denning book and uh, went in and I went into this meeting and I was explaining all of this and I did a little story and a this and a that. And, a, and afterwards, the guy said to me, well, what we need to tell them is, and I thought, this is just hit deaf ears. So I've obviously not done it right. Go away and try again. Right? But it is a classic example of, of this. So we all need to learn. I think there was a fantastic tweet earlier today by Prof. Julia... Is it Steinbecker? Mm -hmm. I'll have to I'll have to check up on this one for you. But she did this. She went into a school in Geneva, and one of the things she said was, "I went in there and I gave a presentation, all of the IPCC stuff and all of the the stats and all the rest of it, and it was great." And then what we had was uh, someone turn around and go, "They're not engaging with this properly." She 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 could feel it. They're not engaging with this. What's gone wrong here? And at the end of it, she was saying to them, and they're saying, "Well, you're not listening to us. No one's listening to us. So why are we going down this route? Because we've got no power mm. to do anything." And it was that lesson of. Maybe I should have talked, said to them, well, tell me what you think first, and then I can gauge how I actually respond to you and how I actually do a presentation. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting part of it. Well, absolutely, because you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, which is one of the things that we're very good at doing is saying, this is a story, this is a story, this is a story, rather than saying, what's your story? What's your background? What's your point of view? Now let me help you understand how that fits into my story and I think that's a lot more effective way of getting a message across. I think so like it's just like when we 
when we get together at a at a charge point or something one of, one of the things i love about this industry and the ev community is how we're all there to help like mm-hmm. i saw a guy the other day who's who was sitting with a, uh, a skoda nk and i said to him oh how do you get on with it he said well i've had it a week and a half why do i always ask ask people who've only had them a week and a half I don't understand that bit of it. But he said to me, you know, only had a week and a half, but it's a really good experience. And then I said to him, oh, by the way, just remember that we have a pass for Kirklees, which is where I am. And for a tenner, you can park in a whole load of places for free. I didn't know that. And therefore, suddenly there was this thing, oh, that's really useful, helpful piece of information for me. Yeah, so it's about working with people and and just being part of that community and supporting and helping but we do need to learn how to impart that information to those who aren't engaged in it or don't want or are not don't want to be engaged because often you'll never get through to those people mm. but for those who are on that that sort of middle ground who don't really get it it's learning how to get that into their psyche that actually they can do this in an easy way. Just on a sort of little anecdotal thing, as I was driving up to to where we are today, I stopped off at a, an Osprey charger and the vehicle in the, uh, the bay next to me was having trouble sort of starting it. So I was just about to go over and say, you know, can I help? And this gentleman who was in another car came over and he, he chatted with the guy and they got it running. And it was only when he walked away that I realised that the guy who'd helped him was actually Ian Johnson, who's the, the CEO of Osprey, who just happened to be at that charger. Yeah. So he was able to come in and say, right, you know, mm-hmm. these are my chargers. This is what's wrong. This is how you do it. So exactly as you say, he had a problem. Somebody helped him. He happened to have the best person on the planet to help him at that point for that particular <laughs> yep. issue that he had. But yeah, it's... Um... Yeah. Can I just give a correction? Because it's uh, Professor Julia Steinberger I was uh, mentioning earlier. So just okay. to clarify that. Yeah. But it, it was really, really interesting the way that sort of, you know, there was a click from someone who is a professional at communicating, does this stuff day in, day out, and then has thought to themselves hang on, I need to think about this again. Mm. We're recording this a couple of weekends after Fully Charged Live. Now, you unfortunately couldn't make it um, to that one. I was there all three days, an excellent exhibition. And there were a couple of things that sort of jumped out that I think are relevant to the discussion that we're having today. One is the number of people who were there who weren't EV Mm -hmm. drivers, because a lot of the publicity that went out around it was related to the renewables, the... Uh, heating your house yeah. and that sort of aspect and it brought a lot of people in but because of the nature of the discussions that were being held the talks that sort of stuff the message that was coming across from the fully charged team from the people who were the presenters on the the panels they were able i think to hit home a lot more effectively because the audience that they had Mm-hmm. were not necessarily EV people. But once they were there and they were listening to people who were telling them, because obviously there's a lot of question and answer sessions, yeah. they were able to answer the questions that the people had. So yes, maybe a number of them fell into the trap that we were just talking about of this is the story I want to tell you rather than mm-hmm. tell me what your story is. The fact they had the Q&A sessions at the end made it very, very easy for someone to come up and go, well, I hear what you're saying, but this is the problem I've had. And because you've got two or three knowledgeable people on the panel, a lot of those questions were answered without any problem. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a really important part of it. If 
invariably when you're at these kinds of sessions you'll have someone ask a really long question which isn't really a question it's more a statement and that sort of diminishes what's going on but what I find fascinating about these is when someone comes on goes yeah I, I understand where you're coming from I get that issue this is how we've dealt with it in in our situation and got over the problem or this is what what we're finding is happening now and those kinds of events are fabulous for doing that. And what you also find is while you're walking around the place and you're talking about something like, you know, I was there in, in the April one, in the, in the September, September one, and you were going up and you were talking to the different exhibitors about their products or, or about something or about the, you know, the converted vehicles. And someone else was standing next to you and they're hearing all this discussion and dialogue and all the rest of it. And because of that, they're hearing a whole gambit of different things and the responses to them about it that they wouldn't have had just in a 10-minute session, if you like. And that is part of that internalisation of the message because if you go round enough of these stalls and and you're hearing people going, well, yeah, this... um, you know, this vehicle's great because it does this or, or the charging mechanism for this works because of, you know, and, oh, I've had problems with that. Oh, well, here's a way to resolve it. In your head, you're getting a, a whole different situation in there, There's a whole different way of thinking about it, going, well, actually, if I had that, then that's the answer to it. Or if I do that, well, those guys were talking about that long journey and I've always had this worry about it. But actually, you know, what they're saying to me is do this or do that. But you don't get like it's not necessarily formal. I think that's what I'm trying to get at here. It's the informal as much as the formal that is really important. And the whole of the community is very good at doing that just by talking, engaging. You know, how many times do we have on Twitter someone saying about to buy a new car, you know? What do I need to think about? And everyone comes back with, well, it's this, 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 this. No one knows the person's situation, but actually when you pull all that together, you can come up with a pretty good fist of it, except for the fact that no one answered me when I asked about the nose uh, weight on a tow bar because I wanted to put some electric bikes on on the back of an electric car. I'm still waiting for my t- Twitter people to come back to me on that one. I'll, I'll link uh, Gideon's uh, Twitter handle in the show notes. So if you've got that, check back through his history, answer the question, that'll be fine. <laughs> one of the things I found today, as I said, I was at a at Osprey Charger with Ian Johnson yeah. and the discussion came around to uh, Fully Charged. And one of the things he said, which I wasn't aware of, was a lot of the people who were there were not necessarily there because they themselves had seen information about it and wanted to go. They were there because a number of schools had actually learned about this and they'd Mm. sent information out to the children and the children had spoken to the parents and said, this is all about renewable energy. This is about the future of the planet. I think we should go and Mm -hmm. hear what they've, they've got to say. That fills me with a lot of hope when I hear that that's happening because that's getting the message out to the right people yeah definitely and and i think that's a fascinating comment actually and it's not one i'd heard before but it comes down to this you know this this peer pressure and and all of those kinds of things but also it must mean that in the education system in the schools and in 
their own social circles, things are actually coming forward now. And you are, we are talking about how to do things better. The, the comments we made earlier about sort of them feeling less empowered to do anything. But this is something that's tangible. They can do at home. You know, we can stop being on fossil fuels at home if we want to, you know, and if we can afford to. And I think that's an interesting part of it. What I do find at Fully Charged, like to go there and to, to hear that is actually phenomenal because let's be honest about it. The ticket price for a day is not as cheap as I would like it. You know, I know they have to they have to fund the thing and they have to do it, you know, they have to pay for everything and all the rest of it. But it's not one of those prices that you go on a whim, especially as a family. You know, you go with two parents and two kids. There's a good chunk of money, plus the food on the day, plus the travel to go there, especially if you're in your fossil fuel car as well. And you're going to a bit of an unknown, mm -hmm. if you like, in some respects. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff's there, but are you going to understand what you're seeing and, and are you going to be able to take it in? So I think that just says a huge amount about what the education and what the schools and what the kids are actually doing. Like we've, like just as a side, we've done, we've set up the Kirklees Climate Commission. And as part of that, we have a youth group in there that's starting up. And you've got things like eco schools that people maybe haven't heard of. Like it was a big thing a, a long time ago where, you know, schools would look at their own energy, their own carbon footprint, maybe doing some renewables and measuring it and having the signs up on the on the walls and things. So those are still happening, but you don't particularly see them, if you like. They're not as visible as they used to be when we were first talking about these and how to get people engaged in it. Uh, so I'm, I'm very encouraged by that, I have to say. And maybe what we need out of Fully Charged Live is a focus session for young people. I believe, actually... I know they had one in the September uh, mm -hmm. one that was out in the Giga Theatre outside. I know they had one for uh, the younger people in, I think it might have been on the Saturday. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make that, so I can't confirm it. But it was one out yeah. of however many yeah. there were. I may have thought that one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday would have been preferable. Well, if, but... if we know that young people want to go there with their family, then we need it to be every day mm -hmm. and we need it to be morning and afternoon because there's so much to take in, you know, and this is for Dan really, I suppose, Dan Caesar, you know, this is something that we need to have repetitively done almost because people want to see this, all the good stuff in there as well. And if you're talking to these people, you don't want to pull away from it. Like yeah. invariably at these shows, I miss most of the women sessions because I'm talking to other people or I'm, I'm running around doing things. Yeah, and I'm sure you're the same. 100%. And so if we want these to happen, you need maybe those those repetitive sort of ways of doing it and giving people a chance to catch them. Shall we wrap up now? Is there a final message you want to uh, sort of impart to the listeners about messaging? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the I the only thing I'd finish with is read about it and learn about other ways of communicating. Like we've talked about this internalization of message. Go and have a look at what storytelling does for us and things like that, because there are other ways of getting the messages across that really are powerful and will help us with this 
with this transition that we've got and must do. Gideon, thank you very, very much. Thank you. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. Hydrovolt, the largest battery recycling plant in Europe, has started operations in Fredrikstad, Norway. The plant is a joint venture between two Norwegian companies, Hydro, one of the world's largest aluminium companies, and Northvolt, a battery producer building battery factories in Sweden and Germany. The new battery recycling facility has the capacity to process 12,000 tonnes of battery packs per year, or around 25,000 EV batteries, and that's enough for the entire end-of-life battery market in Norway currently. Hydrovolt claims that it can recover 95% of the materials used in an EV battery, including plastics, copper, aluminium, and the black mass, which is the powder containing the various elements inside lithium-ion batteries, nickel, manganese, cobalt, and obviously lithium. Following on from the message of today's podcast, there are lots of people who use clickbait headlines to say that batteries aren't recyclable because nobody's doing it at the moment. That's clearly inaccurate, and this is another nail in the coffin of that particular piece of FUD. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drives in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging or participate in networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use, with subscription plans for enhanced features, such as using ZapMap in-car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? Well, if you enjoyed this episode, buy me a coffee. Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do it just there. It takes Apple Pay too. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called Show. Oh, you've gone electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and hopefully leave a little review for us on, you, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the reviews help raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you very much. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingCV with the words, message for you, sir. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know he's learning cooking. He wants to make the ultimate souffle. Not too light, not too heavy. Chocolate, ideally. His earlier attempts were a bit of a disaster and I asked him whether it was because he was opening the oven door every five minutes to see if it had risen yet. But he wasn't having any of it. Well, I think, it again, it comes down to how you do it. Many thanks for listening. Bye.